0: Hello and welcome to Cinemakers, Matt Stewart's. This is episode 56, Rewind, from 2015, and Tonight She Comes from 2016. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this is our first episode of Cinemakers that's Solo Bolo style for now. Just me and Mike. Hello. Later in the episode, we're going to bring in Matt, the director of these two films. Who's a friend of mine that I've made at a film festival? He lives in Los Angeles. He's made these movies. He made short films. He does a lot of production work and stuff like that. So, very excited to talk to him. So, it's a little bit of a different style of cinemakers than uh, the other ones. Switching it up a little. I do feel like once uh, Steven Soderbergh finds out that we interviewed Matt, you know, he's going to want to get on the podcast right, too. Exactly.
1: So. He's going to be a little
0: upset that he was second. I know. So yeah, so these are two movies that are both available on Amazon Prime for free. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can stream both of these. Rewind is not as graphic. Tonight She Comes is disgusting. <laughs> um, I'll just say that from the beginning, that I made a note my first review on Letterboxd when I watched it for the first time was that there were at least three things in this movie that made me want to vomit. And I think the count is up to four or five the second time around. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. It is hmm. gross. <laughs> but you had seen Rewind before. You have never seen Tonight She Comes. I'd seen both of them before. Actually, before we get into quick thoughts, let's let's do a, a plot summary, if you will. Okay, alright. The other thing is that both these movies are like 80-85 minutes, and that's with credits, so you can get through these quickly. Right. So if you haven't watched these and you have Prime, go check them out. Rewind is a sci-fi, a little bit of horror, and Tonight She Comes is pretty much pure horror. They're both like Super low-budget indie horror sci-fi. Both cool, I think. And so Rewind is about two guys who are out in the woods. They're sort of like... They're hosts of a TV show like Ghost Guy... Whatever the ghost, ghost Hunters. show is. yeah. Ghost Hunters. But they're kind of like... I think intentionally... We'll find out when Mac comes on. They're kind of like intentionally unlikable kind of doofy bro guys. And they are exploring the woods and they get to this abandoned warehouse or factory or something and they find this computer in there and somehow it triggers something where they are able to rewind time and suddenly it's kind of like a time crimes situation where there's multiple copies of them all over the world and so by the end of the movie there's three or four sets of them and it's really it's kind of chaotic and there's a lot going on and each set is bonded to one another but they have no you know sympathy or allegiance for the other one and so there's a lot of self-on-self crime and murder and uh, aggression and attacks and anything that I missed plot-wise you think in in Rewind? No just that it kind of dissolves
1: into a certain type of madness by the end of the movie that I found entertaining so yeah I just I thought it was a really really strong premise and I kind of liked how it started out as like this ghost hunter movie and halfway through kind of turned into this sci-fi time travel movie I thought that was cool and it Kept me wondering where was it going to go, so...
0: Yeah. Also of note, it's a found footage movie, which the other one, which Tonight She Comes, is not. Um, and we'll talk about Matt, I think, and the difference between those, whether that was a choice or if he wanted to do something different or or whatever, but that's that. So the Tonight She Comes is where two girls are in a car going to meet up with their third friend at a lake house, and there's also two guys, one of whom is a mailman in training, and they all sort of meet up together. And the, the second guy, so Matt who we'll have on the show later, is one of the guys, he's the cameraman in Rewind. His buddy, the other guy, the host of the show in Rewind, is also in Tonight She Comes, and he is, again, like, I I gotta find out, like, why he wants to make this guy look like such an unlikable person, but he's like a creep and a monster in this movie, and he stumbles across a dead body in the woods or what he thinks is a dead body. The body comes back to life and sort of becomes like a slasher film. Meanwhile, in the house that they're all at, there's sort of like a, for lack of a better word, like a redneck family that's creating some kind Kind of blood ritual, some kind of sacrifice to bring new life, or sort of to um, rebirth dead family members, and so it becomes like this, you know, creepy kind of cult movie. While a slasher movie is also going on.
1: Yeah, again, I thought this was uh, really strong. Like, uh, it starts out as sort of this. Friday the 13th movie, even with like a uh, point of view, camera homages and stuff, and then kind of transforms into like a Evil Dead bloodbath, you know, kind of reminds me a little of the Fede Alvarez Evil Dead by the end of this movie, uh-huh. to be honest, like it goes pretty far. This one was really intense. I had not seen this one before. I liked it more. They're very different films, you know, it's hard. It's going to be hard to compare and contrast them. But yeah, like I again, like I think uh, there's a really strong story, good visuals, just lots of craziness to cover in that movie um you know you mentioned there's four or five things that grossed you out i think um i'm right
0: about there as well the count is high in this one oh boy uh yeah 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 wow 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 i feel like there's there's stuff that we can kind of compare between the two there's one thing that really sort of struck me is that you know the first one as we're going through the story for the first time before time rewinds we sort of get these glitches because it's found footage movies so we're seeing through the camera so there's like these camera glitches and like things are going on you know they hear voices they think they see things then as we rewind we see that there are other versions of themselves bouncing around and sort of you know f- for lack of a better word uh, fucking with them and trying to just basically it seems malicious but it's just like hey like let's that's you over there like let's just fuck with him so it's kind of like this goofy kind of thing but then in the second one and Tonight She Comes we see early on that there's someone hiding and looking and kind of creeping and I think just because I had just watched Rewind, I was like, I know I know that's not the case, but I had you know, if I hadn't seen this before, I'd be like, is it the same kind of thing where it's like another copy of them and no, but I think that's it's an interesting kind of like fear of the of being watched in a way, of you know, not knowing what's out there, of not being secure and so on and so forth. Yeah, there are some strong connections. Yeah, I noticed that there's also another moment where the actor
1: from the first movie who had he like fumbles with a barbed wire fence in Rewind, he again fumbles with it. There's he's sort of Uh, shouting out some things he's done before and some things that worked well, come back. But yeah, I think one thing between the two movies I would like to compare that I think is strong is like the comedy aspect of it. Yeah, yeah like I think he's got a real touch for that like I, I kind of wish there was more in both of them like I think Rewind I think the tone there is more jovial it's a little more playful even though it gets it turns into like a murder spree and like they're murdering themselves by the end of the movie and stuff like it's craziness but it just feels like a little more fun whereas in Tonight She Comes it's funny and there's funny moments but I just feel like the overall tone is darker and stronger you know maybe if that just like tweaked a little bit that movie I it would have just been like a runaway for me. Like, I would have, I would have freaking loved it, but like, I, yeah, but I just feel like he's got a really good knack for sort of counterbalancing comedy and not not exactly seriousness, but like craziness.
0: Yeah. I think there's one sequence in particular that I really like in Tonight She Comes where the mailman guy, and I, I, his name is James, and so there's certain things where I'm just like I don't know why this is happening but I just sort of set up things like he just falls asleep at this house I'm like I don't know why that happens other than maybe he's high but like whatever like he's just there and so these two girls show up and they're there just to hang out and they all get really drunk in the afternoon and the one girl Lindsay is really drunk she's like we're going to have sex right now and so he goes to get a sleeping bag so they can you know have sex outside in the middle of the day and their friend Ashley he's like oh no you I just want you to know that she's a virgin like she's like you don't know at the time but she's messing with James and just sort of like trying to throw a monkey wrench into it or whatever. But then flash forward later when Christy, the reanimated body who has killed the guy in the woods and is now covered in blood and walking around this entire movie naked, she's attacking Ashley and there's still like a comedy thing there. It's like, oh, so you're saying that you're not a virgin? Like there's just like this whole, like it's a slower paced kind of like methodical killer coming at her, sort of zombie-ish in a way, but there's still enough time that there's room for the jokes and it works well there, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I almost wish that somehow, some way, there was maybe more earlier... I don't know. It's hard to say because, like, in that movie especially, but in both movies, this happens. Like, when extraordinary paranormal kind of crazy shit starts happening, the main characters aren't exactly, like as phased by it as you might expect and to me that was kind of part of the fun of it was being like wow everybody's really rolling with this kind of like Billy the Kid and you know Bill and Ted where he's just like acclimating to all this strangeness going on around him and I really got a lot of that like that's where a lot of the comedy came for me especially in the second movie Tonight She Comes and like in that scene you were talking about if somehow they had encountered something well I guess they do with the peeper when the guy's like peeping on him and everything that's sort of on the same level You know, like that kind of gets me acclimated more to, okay, I'm going to be laughing as well. And I knew from you there's going to be some pretty gross stuff coming. So I'm glad that it wasn't more of a straightforward slasher flick or something, you know? Like, I'm just glad it wasn't as serious as I was expecting.
0: And what I thought was kind of funny in that in that final sort of seance scene is that when Felicity, or as the old guy... What's his name? Hold on. They don't say a lot of names in this. Francis. So as Francis, who is played by Frankie Ray, who was in Bleed, I think he's like this sort of, I guess, cult figure or whatever. Uh, he was in a big part in Bleed, but I was like, oh, he's kind of, you know, one degree removed from Wesley Snipes. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so when this guy who plays Francis is there, and the, sort of the, the father figure or the grandfather figure or whatever of the house, is, he calls her Felicity. So that's, that's the whole, that was why it took so long to get there. I just have Felicite in my mind on my brain. But I like that Felicity, like, when things are going wrong and people are dying and things aren't working the right way, but they're still she's able to be like, well, all right, this is what we're doing now. And she's she's like in the middle of this like cult ritual, sort of sacrifice rebirth, praise, like worshipping the devil and encanting spells and trying to bring back to life the her, her dead mother and maybe now her dead father and dead brother and all this different stuff. And I just like that she's able to sort of do it with a sense of humor, that even the ones who are supposed to be the evil ones it's not like this at all but it reminds me in a way of like Tucker and Dale vs. evil where Tucker and Dale are the villains in the slasher movie but they're just sort of bumbling idiots that are doing things that look like them, and they're accidentally killing people yeah it's a matter of perception yeah and it's not like that Exactly. But it's like, she's the bad person in this, like, clearly, she's doing weird, gross, satanic rituals or whatever, but she's also a person, like, she's got a sense of humor about everything, and I I really like that.
1: Yeah, I I also like to, like, and this is extremely hard to do, and I didn't even notice it was happening throughout the movie, but when she's introduced, like, she becomes the main character. Like, by the end of the movie, like, she's the hero, right? Like, she's the only one left. Like, she beats the night like she's the last girl and everything right like I thought that was crazy like how you know the movie starts and it's this group of characters that kind of gets whittled down to two one boy one girl until they meet and then they meet her and then she just takes the reins and it kind of it just happened so naturally I wasn't even aware of it really but looking back on it like that's kind of funny how seamless that 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 occurred and and also I just got to say like my biggest laugh was During the seance, when the guy wouldn't swallow, (laughs) and he spit out the blood, and I just fucking... I lost it, because, like, he... Because, like, such a... Like, again, like, I was, like, laughing, but it was also very tense, and it's just, like, lots of craziness going on, and I don't know, it just broke the tension so perfectly, but it was also very gross and, and kicked everything up a level at the same time. So, like, I thought that was really well orchestrated. I mean, it's amazing how much more of a cast he has in the second movie yeah. you know like the first movie is literally just him and, and one other person and don't forget the dog the dog is also credited Otter the dog and a dog, but I mean, just to be able to sort of go from, you know, like uh, shooting a movie with your friend in the woods, which is like what it seems, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it came out great, but to go up such a level with such a cast and to also yep. be able to sort of manage so many characters so well, like I was really impressed with that.
0: And I thought the actress who played Ashley was great. Um, she kind of gave me, at least in looks and maybe sort of an appearance, she kind of gave me like Allison Hannigan sort of vibes. Like, I don't know if you know her from How I Met Your Mother, or she's now the current host of Penn and Teller Foola like she's the the MC or whatever and she just kind of had this like r- sort of wry sense of humor which I thought was really that worked really well and I think she was likable and I also appreciated that in a horror movie where a lot of these people are to a certain extent unlikable because you're kind of in a way when you're watching this kind of movie I think rooting for them all to get killed you know she's she's written kind of like an asshole like she's doing you know gross stuff with her menstrual blood in the very first scene that we see her in but she's always shown as like competent and smart and funny and like a good friend and in charges the situation. And she, I think, is the most well-rounded, most balanced, most thought-out character. And I just, I loved the character and the portrayal of her. And I think she was my favorite part of the movie on the whole.
1: Yeah. And it, that setup definitely comes back in a big way with, yeah. uh, with the blood and everything like that. I couldn't believe it, but that was crazy. Certainly had never seen that before. One of the things that made me want to vomit. <laughs> but I agree. Like, that's the thing. Like, when she... Gets the acid blood like spit in her face and then tumble like is thrown into like the half deformed monster thing that's like glowing light now. I'm like, what? Like, I couldn't believe that was her fate. Like, it was just like such a great twist because you're right. Like, a good, I feel like a good horror movie or slasher movie will have characters you like and don't like and you'll love not to like the character if it's done right and I really loved to like kind of not like this girl like till but by the end I was like upset that she died you know so like I, I actually did come to care about her and I thought that was tricky because they aren't depicted as like the greatest people and that's always hard to sort of get on the side of but I did.
0: I have a question for you. Maybe I just, you know, again, it's it's sort of hair blindness, and now it's also skin blindness because they were covered in blood. But at the very, very end of the movie, when Christy gives birth to someone, is she giving birth to Felicity or to Ashley? Or to herself? It's the one that she faced off with at the end. Felicity. the the Sort of the redneck daughter, for lack of a better term. Right. So
1: what I gathered was she sort of carved this, like, rune onto her chest or her stomach yeah. And then she loses the fight with the demon, but the demon, like, eats her heart. And I'll, and then after that, three minutes to midnight, I guess, before she's about to take over the world, she gives birth. And I think, yeah, she's giving birth to her. Okay. Uh, that's what it seemed. It was kind of hard to tell, but that's what it seemed like. What was hard to tell was, is is she now a demon, or was that, like, going to save everything?
0: We're going to have to ask Matt, because that's, that's literally the last thing in the movie.
1: Yeah, what, that was insane, too. Like, <laughs> what a way to go out. Like, really just like, wow, I'm in the end with that shot.
0: Because she lets out, like, this primal scream, and I don't know if that's because she's not going to be hunted anymore or because she's now a demon. Like, I don't know. It could go either way. Uh, but then it smash cuts into, like, the gentlest credits and, like, this, like, pink font and, like, this, this sort of indie rock song. And I just thought that was just kind of another sort of funny twist on it. Because this movie starts with, I've seen several movies that have, like, the, this movie is meant to, or this film is meant to be played loud but then it just like waits a couple seconds just says as hell like loud as hell it's like that's that's pretty cool you know i just like that sort of you know just play it really really loud because if you have a good sound system i mean every movie should be played loud but this one in particular you know it's uh whew, it, there's there's some uh there's some tense stuff going on
1: Yeah, yeah. And great music, too. I really like the music in it. You know, the first movie has more of like an ambient thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the guy's like cell phone, and there's noises. And it's got to be a little quieter, because like, there's sort of a lot of overlap between the duplicates and they're screwing with each other through like their camera equipment and stuff and it's got more of a found footage feel to it too so it doesn't want to sort of break that with too much you know music or anything like that but like in the second one man i was i was really digging it i mean it really helps set the the tone it didn't necessarily feel like You know, I was watching an 80s movie or a 90s movie, like, it always still felt modern, but it had sort of a remnants of that vibe to it of, like, oh, okay, this feels like something that could fit in, like, an 80s or 90s horror movie as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's, like, a careful homage, right? Like, it's a loving send-up to the kind of movies that I know that he likes. Because, you know, I met him at Fantastic Fest, where, like, a lot of the movies that we see are, you know, intense and, you know, either, regardless, but, like, a lot of them play on nostalgia and, like, remind us of the movies that we liked, you know, from the 80s and from the 90s and from the set, like all that different stuff. Also, just as a side note for another movie that we've covered here in the network, I was sitting next to Matt uh, while we were watching Revenge for the first time, and they stopped the movie because somebody in the other theater had fainted, um, whether from the movie or from whatever. And like, he and I just looked at each other and were like, Is this as good as we think it is? We're like, Yeah, it is. And so we were both like, Really, really into it. So go check out our episode of The Contenders for where I, you know, made Tobin and Island watch Revenge. And I don't know that Island has still forgiven me for that yet, but, uh,
1: (laughs) you know, whatever. You know what I was thinking a lot with when I I was re-watching Rewind. It reminded me like of Blair Witch, like, to a degree, Mm -hmm. and I was wondering if there was a riff on that, you know, like, not only uh, he was making a found footage film, and that series is sort of one that spawned the genre, possibly, to a degree, you know, especially that first one, Um, and I actually kind of liked Rewind more than the Blair Witch remake, I mean, maybe just by virtue of that, I've seen that story before or whatever, but I kind of feel like it was interesting how it started as, like, this ghost story, right, and it's like, oh, wait, what if, it's actually what I kind of thought was going to happen with the new Blair Witch, where we find out it was aliens or something like that like this took that and was like no it's not ghost it's actually them it's like their sci-fi duplicates and stuff so I thought that was a clever touch
0: I think like Rewind is the, is the kind of movie where like when I was watching it for the first time, I was like, man, like I, I want to tell my friend that I like his movie, but like I'm not into it because like the, the characters are annoying and I'm not into it. And then like when the twist happens and like there's a second set of them, I'm like, oh shit, like this is actually smart and cool. And like I, I didn't have to like lie to my friend. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, oh, I actually genuinely enjoy this. And that's why I told you because I watched it twice in a row or twice in one night at least when I first watched it. I was like, you should check this out because my friend made it. And you know, I think it's really cool. I think it's an interesting twist. And I know you liked it. And I'm glad to hear you liked it more this time you know I like Tonight She Comes more this time than I did the first time because the first time I was just like I was so grossed out by like a lot of it for obvious reasons I think the end of it the final like seance scene was so seared into my brain where I kind of forgot the first like hour of the movie and so I was just like you know a lot of that is really fun like you know what what we were talking about like the the humor and the comedy of it all and like the the world building the character building and stuff like that and I, I just liked it a lot more I think maybe because I was prepared for it to be gross I don't know but i think it worked mm-hmm. genuinely better for me the second time i like them about i think overall i think i like them about the same i think you know what you messaged me was that tonight she comes is just like a beautiful looking movie like i think technically speaking i think tonight she comes is a better movie because it is shot nicer and like it looks gorgeous you know it's it's well edited like everything i mean not that rewind isn't but like this is just like a gorgeous looking movie but i still think there's something cool and unique about that that twist and rewind where it's like oh like this is just like assholes like pranking each other but now they have like Kind of the power of God, like you know, and and they don't know what to do with it other than just like mess with themselves.
1: Yeah, there's definitely something a little more uh, like raw in the filmmaking of Rewind that works for it. Like I think for a found footage movie, he found a good way to use that trick, right? Like it works. I don't know if it would work well as. Not a found footage film because you have to sort of be so inside these guys' heads and so with them for so long that when their duplicates show up, you got a great sense of, like, who they are and what's going on and everything. And, like, you really just want to be in their, in their shoes for that movie and everything, too. With Tonight Comes, like, I was just like, wow, he could just probably pull off a stoner comedy or something like that like he didn't you know like I know he's into horror and stuff but like he's got the knack to like do other stuff too it felt like he had room to breathe more and express himself more and do other things but I gotta tell you one thing about that movie it's like as soon as I found out that like the main monster was just gonna be a naked girl covered in blood from head to toe who was just like had crazy supernatural strength and like you couldn't destroy her or anything like that really sort of like took it up a notch for me uh, for like lots of reasons like first I was just impressed that you know you just don't see that in a lot of movies these days horror or not but you used to see a lot of that in horror movies like it reminded me of Return of the Living Dead where there's a character who's naked throughout the whole movie there's also just a, a stark sort of like horror to it as well that what seemingly seems like the most vulnerable thing is like the most terrifying thing that's going to get you and like you can't stop it or destroy it or anything. I was just really impressed by just like how much he was able to sort of expand with the second film but I was also impressed with like you know how he worked around the limitations that he had with the first movie
0: too so very versatile. And I've got questions for him about you know how do you cast an actress who you have to write like okay so she's got clothes on in the very first scene and then she dies or or something happens and then she's naked for the next 75 minutes uh fully naked and like you see everything it's like how do you go about finding someone to play that part and i read an interview that the the actress who played that part she was interviewed by some horror site and i read that and this is the only movie she's ever been in and i think she was like a model before this but i want to know because that's kind of a tall order to ask someone to be like hey you're gonna be the killer which is awesome but like you have to be fully naked the entire time Really nothing to cover you except for some blood, so and it's such like a simple thing you know it kind of reminded
1: me of you know the ghost with this sh- that's just a sheet with like the eyes poked out or something yep. like that you know, but like you know on that kind of level, but for like a satanic horror
0: film instead, <laughs> you know
1: like what what's just the most basic imagery that you could think of?
0: I think what's smart about that is, you know, budget-wise, it costs nothing, right? Like, it costs whatever fake blood costs, but, like, you can still, like, you you know, just like the sheet with the, the eyes poked out, like, you know exactly what it is, like, that's something you don't fuck with, right? Like, this is something yeah. that you are meant to be terrified, and obviously at the end when she starts, like, emanating light when she has a shotgun hole, like, blasted in her face or whatever, like, there's money being spent on, you know, digital effects and stuff like that, but for most of the movie, for, like, 95% of this character on screen, she's just there with... You don't even have to pay money for wardrobe. Like, it's just it's just blood, right? And so it's I think it's a smart thing that it's terrifying, number one. Number two, it also gives you the kind of the requisite, like, if you want to have a horror movie and you want to put some nudity in there or whatever, that's number two. But also, it's just economical, I think. You can spend the money that you would spend on, like, some kind of, like, crazy creature effects or, you know, weird, like, weapons or whatever, right? Like, you can just put that money elsewhere.
1: Yeah, you know what came to mind, and I know this this came out after Tonight She Comes, but I was thinking of New Suspiria, like, the end of that movie, Mm. where it's kind of just like a bunch of girls doused in blood like dancing and being scary like it's kind of i mean men and women just naked covered in blood that's all it really takes is like a a naked person like it covered in blood but like acting like there's nothing wrong about it (laughs) like it's all good you know the special effects across the board i was impressed with like i figured in the first one everything feels a little more digital and the, the there's blood and stuff like that but in the second one like in Tonight She Comes there seems to be a lot more practical effects and a lot more gore and when it's blending it's really cool like when they're carving shit on their stomach and they start glowing or the, their eyes start glowing like it it seems really seamless it's really nice
0: One other thing that we can compare the two I don't know I'm sure you did because you stick around to the credits but you saw that Rewind has a mid-credit scene like an Avengers esque mid-credit scene right? Yes And so I think both of the movies end on this sort of ambiguous note where like you think in a way that maybe the the terror is over but also not like not that it's going to set up a sequel but it just sort of meant I think leave you wondering whether we actually are safe or not because like in the first one you know there's the mid-credits scene and there's just guys and they're sort of going back and trying to kill the rest of them and one says that had to be the last one right and the other one says I hope so and then like we were saying earlier you know the monster Christy gives birth to someone or something and maybe it's the end of the horror or maybe it's not who knows but it's sort of this ambiguous like most of what just happened in the film is now done, but now there's this potential other threat, or this potential looming question, or whatever that still is left, left to be unanswered.
1: Yeah, I feel like he he just knew when to end these both like really well, and like those are great little not even cliffhangers, just like little extra bits that are, are fun. Like the movie's over, but it's like oh, but wait, there's more, and it's like sorry, credits. You know, I yeah. mm-hmm. it, there's there's room because there's room to explore more. In both worlds, you know what I mean. Like if he needed to or wanted to. I mean, you know what this what he kind of reminds me of a little bit as in his movies and stuff is sort of like the Benson and Moorhead guys. You know those guys they did Spring and Endless and Oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: Or he's gonna love that comparison because he loves those movies. Yeah. Like have you seen Resolution? They're I think that's like their very first movie. No, but, like, but isn't okay. that kind of the they wanted to make the Endless and they didn't have the money, so they made Resolution, right?
1: Yeah, it's sort of like a quasi-prequel, but it came for, or it's like a sidequel. I don't exactly know how to explain it, but like, mm-hmm. it, but it's cool. It's sort of like with Rewind, it's just like two guys in the woods, like making a movie, you know, like a really weird sci-fi horror thing Yeah. With like, crazy shit happening and so I don't know I, I was getting similar aesthetics and stuff from him.
0: And I think them going from Resolution which I still haven't seen but I sort of get the gist based on what you said and sort of what I know about it but then going from that to Spring is kind of in a way go, like Matt going from Rewind to Tonight She Comes where it's like it's still like a smaller story about a single kind of creature or thing right it's more fantastical it's this next level of you know not, not necessarily creativity but like creativity you know what I mean like it's this more complex next step and so I wonder if, you know, I don't know that you would do, like, if, if he was following the direct path, like, would he remake, rewind at a big budget? I don't know. You know what I mean? But, oh, one other thing that the uh, comparison between the two is that there's a sort of cell phone scares in both. Like, in the first one, it's like the most obnoxious scream cell phone ringtone that sort of first shows up as like a kind of a cheap jump scare that it's just like this scream, but it's just the guy's ringtone. But then I think it's kind of smartly comes back later where it's like, oh, we know that that's a call coming in. And you realize that, again, the guy that he's looking at is not calling him or whatever, right? So I think that as as cheap of a jump scare as the first time, I think it sets up, you know what it means the second time around. But I thought in the second movie, when there's someone rooting around in the car, and I guess it's probably Felicity, I'm not sure, or maybe Philip or maybe Francis, I don't know, one of the guys, one of the, the rednecks in the house, when there's like the really loud, because I also had this, the second movie up a lot louder because I was instructed to play it loud as hell, when the phone on the dashboard vibrates, and like that's a real loud noise, it's like that's kind of scarier than the scream, it's just like this really loud, like, just sort of buzzing. And that made me jump a little bit.
1: Yeah, like, I, I wasn't even sure what that screaming cell phone ring was in the original in uh, in Rewind. Like, I thought it was, you know, when, when we find out that they're fucking with themselves, like, I thought it was just one of them screaming at the other, getting yeah. caught, like, in between time warp or whatever, and coming up on their radio. But, no, it, it ended up kind of getting me once or twice later in the movie and, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, a cheap gag, but there aren't a lot lot of things like that in these two movies you know what I'm saying like I really I give it to him especially in his first movie and in a movie that ends up using that as a bit too you know because they do end up calling themselves and sort of pranking each other and stuff too so that does come back like in a useful way and everything Um, but I was actually surprised in the Tonight She Comes like how few cheap jump scares there were like and it was really just kind of the imagery that got me like when the girl just like kind of walks into the lake and keeps walking into the lake like that's always very unsettling yeah you know like that was nuts and then she just like appears on the other side of the lake and the fire and stuff so there was more sort of i don't know if it's like maturity or whatever but he just there's a lack of sort of like gimmick or stuff like like gags the gags felt different they felt maybe they were just disguised better or they came across more natural
0: i think one thing that's smart also about Tonight She Comes, is that when Christy somehow, like, like obliterates Pete, you know, the guy from the first movie, the, the sort of the chronic masturbator here in the second movie, the, the creep, the guy who, like, we're just like, what is going on with this guy? Like, she does something to him in the woods that we don't see that just covers her in blood, and maybe she covered herself in blood, like maybe she, like, killed him or whatever and then took his blood and rubbed it all over her, I don't know. Whatever happened, it's something gruesome, because she is now covered in blood, right? But I think what's smart is that we don't see it, because again, it's smart for budget reasons that we don't have to see some kind of crazy effects thing, right? But also, number two, I think it works because what we don't see is always going to be scarier and, like, we don't know how she destroyed him. But then at the end of the movie, another thing that makes me want to vomit is when she puts her fingers in Ashley's eye sockets and then literally tears her skull apart um, and then rips out, I guess, her spine or something and, like, eats it. I was like, oh, I guess we kind of have a sense of, like, what she did to Pete in the woods because, you know, this, what you are saying earlier, this incredibly strong creature is unable to be stopped
1: when we first see her she's not covered in blood and then when we see her again she's head to toe and it's like super gory and it's not gonna wash off by walking through a lake either and you know throughout it she's shown to be very formidable and everything so i i was building it up in my head but when we finally see her like tear someone apart it's crazy like it's really kind of cool too you know like it's it looks all practical and it's shot really well. Like you don't see it from the front. I think it's like from behind or something and she get ripped apart and stuff. But like, no, like then you realize what she's really kind of capable of. And it's like craziness. And
0: (laughs) yeah. So here are the things that made me want to vomit the second time around. The first thing is when, and this, I can't not say it graphically, but I guess, you know, when when Ashley takes her bloody tampon out and uses it for the sacrifice, that was disgusting. The the drinking of the blood was gross enough, but then when Felicity is chewing it, I was like, oh God, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's in there. I started laughing though. Like at that part,
1: I lost it. Like, I think, you know, like grossness and all that kind of like got washed away by hilarity and everything.
0: There's that there was like like i said before when christy does the you see the 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 fingers and eyes always gets me um i wasn't bothered at all by the the head splitting apart but it's the fingers and the eyes um that really kind of really gross me out that was three and i feel like there was one more maybe i don't know but there's just there's a lot because that's all in the last like 15 20 minutes like there's a lot back to back to back that's just like all like whoa whoa okay
1: yeah it escalates and it like keeps going and going and going like you know i thought it was don't get me wrong like i thought it was extremely gross like when they're wringing out the tampon and everything but then like she keeps kind of like going like into Mm -hmm. into the gauntlet Mm -hmm. or whatever they're drinking and then they pass it around and they have to drink it and that's when i was just like oh my god like that (laughs) got me and i could understand you know why the one guy couldn't swallow like i'm sure he tried as hard as he could but he just spit it out and you know and then it got to a level of sort of like looney tunes for a minute which is always good you know i think like if you can keep that up and go from like oh my god that's disgusting to oh my god that's hilarious to like oh my god now it's like terrifying again Mm -hmm. and then end it on like one of the biggest like what the fuck moments of just like another person crawling out of another person (laughs) like and like maybe choking them to death and like having all their power it's like it just
0: you know it's just like such a such a crescendo that was the other one, uh, is the birth at the end, that made me want to vomit too a little bit, like, m- movies don't usually, like, I think the only movie that really has made me, like, sick to my stomach that I can remember are, like, Japanese movies, like, I don't like, just, like, over-the-top, like, overly bloody stuff, like, kind of like Tarantino, like, what Tarantino is paying homage to, right, There's like, this crazy, like, geysers and gushers of blood, like, for whatever reason, that just gets me. This did it, like, the first time more so than this time, cause I think this time I sort of knew what was coming, but, like, man, like, it's, it's gross. I think I some of the blow for me was softened just
1: by the fact that I know you were like just telling me, like, it's just disgusting, like, it's yeah. going to get gross, it's going to get terrible, and like, and it does. But it just caught me so off guard during that, like, whole blood ritual thing that my mind just, like, started laughing instead for some reason. Maybe yeah. I'm sick in the head or whatever. But, like, you know, he established a tone of comedy, you know, side by side with, like, the more terrifying stuff. Maybe that is sort of, like, proof that it worked on me so well, right? Like, that, like, I didn't know whether to laugh or to be grossed out. And, like, maybe that's that's part of the trick,
0: yeah. One other thing that I wanted to point out, and I don't know that I have too many more notes, and I think we can probably take a break pretty soon and bring Matt in, but one thing I want to mention was that, you know, Felicity, like, basically curb stomps James. Like, he puts something in his mouth and then stomps on it and his head explodes. We don't see that. But that was also, like, very cool and very gross. But then she hears a siren coming, and it reminded me of Get Out, right? Where, like, you know, he gets, I guess spoilers for Get Out, but at the very end of Get Out, he's getting away, we see a cop come up, and, you know, based on, everything that's going on in the country and everything like that. You're like, oh no, this guy who just escaped from this like personal hell is now going to be arrested because there's dead white people around or whatever, right? And it's a fake out there. And here, you know, Felicity hears the siren and I think she like stabs herself in the stomach to like kind of make herself seem like she's a victim too, like she got away or killed the killer or whatever. And then she gets the ambulance and we see it's Christy. We don't know what happened to the EMTs. Uh just the siren there blaring and then Christy just drenched again as always in blood just standing there and i just thought it was so cool that like felicity basically does kind of like a morpheus thing with the, the glass she's just like come on let's go and then that's when she yeah. gets obliterated but like i just like that there's sort of a fake out like oh this is how it's going to end you know there's going to be the like this is how she gets away and maybe that we we get a sense that christy is still out there or whatever you know like it's a, a friday the 13th or whatever but no christy did her job she killed all the emts and now it's just felicity has to deal with it in some way spoiler alert does not do very well gets killed
1: Yeah. And I thought that whole sequence played really well. Like you said, like Morpheus, like it felt like, okay, like they're about to throw down and they do. It was cool. We get to see like their whole fight and everything. And it's brutal. And like that's sort of one of the more sort of serious played moments, but also has like an edge of fun to it, too. So like it's being played seriously but like you said like it also sort of feels like the matrix at the same time because yeah. like what can you do at that point but like try to kung fu a demon my favorite death in the whole movie which i think is a direct homage to one of the friday the 13th is the sleeping bag death
0: oh where, god <laughs> yeah where,
1: where the girl is zipped up into a sleeping bag and the demon picks her up and smashes her against the tree until she's just like a, a messy pulp
0: a basically. bloody pulp yeah exactly yeah. Um, I'm Oof. not
1: sure. I think that's in Jason Goes to Hell. I'm not positive. It, uh, but, uh, you know, it's in one of there. And I was like, all right, now I feel it. Like, I, was feel- <laughs> I was definitely feeling like a Friday the 13th vibe earlier. But, you know, this clinches it.
0: Yeah. I don't think I have any more notes about these two movies. Do you have anything else to say before we take a break and bring in Matt? No, I think I'm good too. So just as a programming note, so this episode comes out today, which I think, unless things go wrong, is May 9th. And then sometime later this summer, we're going to come back with Island Addington, Tobin's sister, also of the Contenders. And we're going to cover Karin Kusama's five movies and plus, you know, maybe uh, an episode or two of, of shorts or TV or something like that. But just a little bit of a programming note. Stay tuned for all of that, but we're going to take a quick break, bring in Matt, we're going to talk to him about the movies, and we'll see you in a little bit. And we are back. You're joined by, I wrote down the credits because I want to make sure I credit him correctly, of Rewind, the director, co writer, editor, cinematographer, actor, as Ricky, digital effects composer, and sound editor. And for tonight, she comes merely writer, editor, director, and producer. We have Matt Stewart. Hello, Matt. Hey, what's up? So we just talked about your two feature length films for a while, and now you are here to answer all of our questions. Thank you so much for joining us. So I I was saying before that I I met Matt at film festivals. You know, we've seen a bunch of movies together. Matt has toured. So you've brought these two movies to a bunch, at least Tonight She Comes, right? To a bunch of different festivals. Is that right?
2: Yeah, they both went to a bunch of festivals, but I mostly actually did like the whole festival tour thing with Tonight She Comes.
0: So the, I know that the year on IMDb is 2016, for the she comes, but that came out a little bit more recently, I think, right? Like, I, think, I feel like for some reason I watched it for the first time either last year or late the year before. When did that actually hit iTunes and uh, VOD?
2: It's kind of confusing because it was so, like, wildly different from... Different countries or whatever, but I believe in the U.S. it hit iTunes early 2018.
0: Oh, I remember you telling me that there was like some like really heavily censored or edited like German version or something, right?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. The first version to be released was this like cut down German version that sucks. (laughs) What was uh, it like?
1: Thirty minutes long? (laughs) No,
2: it really it was like three or four minutes shorter, but. All of those three or four minutes was, like, gore scenes and, like, stuff that makes the movie make sense. So, like, basically everyone that watched that one, which was a lot of people that torrented it irritatingly, are just like, What the fuck? This movie makes no sense. And fuck this movie. And I'm like, well, shit, I, I would at least appreciate, like, if you watch the real version of the movie before you shit on it.
0: I guess the first question, my, my biggest question, is how do you cast the Christie role where you say you have to be fully naked the entire time where all you get to do to cover your body is like a little bit of blood. How do you find someone who has the confidence and the acting ability and also the willingness to do that kind of role?
2: I guess weirdly enough, she was one of the first people that I cast for the movie. And it was sort of as easy enough as I looked on a modeling site and it's just like, you know, I just clicked like does nudity so <laughs> but, you know that was kind of like already out of the way and then i was just like hey like do you have any interest because she you know had acting as well in her thing she had a good look and i just kind of messaged her and was like hey like would you be interested in uh, auditioning for this role and heads up you're naked the whole time and like she really like did not give a fuck about it it, it was pretty interesting like even even on set the whole time she was just like you know because it was really cold when we filmed too and like you know, people like wardrobe and makeup would be like, hey, you got to like come back over here and like put this robe on. And she was like, if I have to put the robe on, that's like five minutes of makeup reappliance afterwards. Like, fuck that. I'm just going to stay naked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, because I, I, I read an interview that she did with some horror site and she said, I think you guys filmed in like December or something. I can't imagine like, the, I mean, everyone is sort of dressed for summer, but she's... You know,
2: yeah, it's it's very much like a. it was written to be like a summer movie, but yeah, we ended up filming in like November, December in the Midwest, uh, so it was really cold, and like there were a couple days where like there was like frost on the ground, we had to wait like an hour just for that to burn off, so it didn't look like it was snowy out.
1: Oh, well, I mean, it felt like a summer movie to me, I didn't see any breath, like it never occurred to me. That it was cold out, so well done on that side. I was definitely getting like one of those sort of Friday the Thirteenth, summer lake type movies out of it.
2: Yes, that well, that's good to hear because that's definitely what I was going for. And like, yeah, the actors were pretty good troopers about it. Like, I mean, we had like heaters and stuff outside to keep them warm as much as possible. But there are just like really a few scenes where like you know it's like 3 a.m. we're filming a night shot and it's like really cold, and they were just like, can we please just do two takes of this <laughs> so we can get the fuck out of here.
0: It seems like, and for obvious reasons, I mean, the cast alone is probably bigger, but like, how big was your crew for Rewind and how big was your crew for Tonight She Comes? Because if you told me, I know it's probably not the case, but also maybe if it was just you and Adam out there in the woods and Rewind, like, I would believe it.
2: Yeah, it was. It was. Okay. Okay yeah basically for rewind yeah we really were the cast and the crew we did i think all in all had maybe three other people that worked on it in total but one of them was crucial just because there's a couple moments that just physically would have been impossible to do with only two people even he was maybe there like six to eight hours total and like the other two people were there for like two hours each
0: there's a couple times when you're both on screen, but it's sort of like a stationary camera. And I was like, I was trying to figure out if there was a third person there or whatever. But, you know, you you made a lot. We were talking about how you sort of, in both movies, you kind of make a lot with what you have and your economical and smart ways and you kind of leave things to the imagination. And just the fact that you're able to do all that in the first movie with just you guys is really impressive.
2: Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That was definitely like the whole idea behind it. Cause like we had tried to do a couple other movies before that where like, you know, super, super low budget stuff where like everyone was just kind of like working for free. So we we're like, okay, this is impossible, but if it's just the two of us, we can take a week. I think we filmed it over like six days and we're like, all right, if we just, uh, you know, are the entire cast and the crew, we can actually make this happen.
0: And then how big of a crew did you have for Tonight She Comes?
2: Tonight She Comes was pretty much like a standard indie film crew. It depended day to day, but you know, like probably like 20 to 30 ish.
0: Yeah that's all I mean it's that's a big jump. You've been around obviously film sets cuz I know that you do a lot of work and stuff but like when you're the man in charge of that is that kind of overwhelming going from you know a casting crew of 2 to suddenly 20 30 40 people?
2: It was a, definitely a bit weird cuz that at the time that was really like the First, like, legit sort of film set that I had been on that you know, that wasn't just like everyone was a friend of mine, and also sort of the first one where I wasn't just like doing everything. So, like, Tonight She Comes was more like when I was directing on set, I really was just directing, uh, which was cool. It, it in some ways I was like, fuck, like, I want to grab a camera, <laughs> but uh, so like, since then, I've kind of done like you know, I haven't done a feature since then, but since then, even on smaller projects or whatever, I kind of like to do that, but also still be involved with camera as well but yeah yeah it was definitely like a huge difference where i was like oh i mean it was a good it was like a good learning experience but it was weird
0: because we were talking about before like whoever you trusted the camera and the cinematography with like that movie looks beautiful like i don't know what the budget was but it looks great like mike was messaging me earlier and saying you know for like he's never seen what, what was it, what would what, you say mike that you've never seen like a digital movie like look this sharp like this just it looked beautiful
1: yeah i mean i just you know i said no matter what happens in this movie like it's beautiful to look at like right from the beginning that caught my attention from it and i mean both movies are are drastically different in the way that they're shot but I think that they service the story extremely well and yeah you're extremely versatile when it comes to that
2: Oh, thanks. No, that's really good to hear too. Cause yeah, even so weirdly enough, I'd never, the cinematographer of Tonight She Comes, I'd never worked with before. And he was referred to me by a friend who, it was like a, it was sort of like a whole weird workaround of like how everyone got involved on that movie. It was like, I hit up someone to act and they were like, oh, check out these people. Like they're, they'll be great to work with. And then like those people are like, oh yeah, I usually work with these people. It's like the whole, like, a lot of the crew I'd really never worked with before. In fact, most of the crew I had never met or worked with before on that movie. But like, you know, I saw that they had done stuff before. So I looked at it. And uh, so Chris Benson was the DP on that. And so, you know, so I looked at some of the movies he had shot before. And really none of them were like the style that I wanted to go for for this movie. But it didn't really matter. Like it, it just by looking at that, I was like, OK, well, this guy will know how to make it look like I want tonight she comes to look so but i really did have like a pretty specific way that i wanted it to look so i I was super happy, especially with the night scenes of, like, how he did the lighting and just, like, accomplished the look of certain things.
0: Because it looks modern, but it
2: also looks like a throwback. Like, it looks like it could be from the 80s, but it
0: also could be from today. And, like, it kind of has that sound, like, the sound, too. And I don't know how to pronounce the composer's name. Wojish (laughs) Golschewski?
2: Close. It's uh, Wojciech Golczewski.
0: Okay. Because he's done, he's scored a couple movies that I've seen, you know, like, We Are Still Here and Beyond the Gates and stuff. Like, movies that I was like, oh, not that I was doubting you, but I was like, Oh, like, he worked with people who have made other movies that I've seen. You know what I mean? It's just like this kind of, like, oh, my friend is making things with, like, people who have made other things that, like, people have talked about. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like you're, you're coming up in the world. And plus, I was saying to Mike earlier, the fact that you got Frankie Ray, who you're now, like, one degree removed from Wesley Snipes because he was in Blade. Like, that's
2: fucking cool. Wesley Snipes and Miley Cyrus.
0: Whew. Oh. <laughs>
2: Frankie was awesome. He was another one of those kind of just random. So Brock, who played uh, Philip in the movie, he was actually, I think he was honestly the first person I hit up about this movie. And I had done like, one short, super short film with him a long time ago, and then I'd had a couple of, like failed projects that I was trying to do that I wanted him to be in, and so he even I think was really skeptical of me at first because he was like, <laughs> "Oh, this guy, yeah, he's hit me up before about trying to do features that never happened." Yeah, so he was he was just like, "Hey, why don't you hit up these other people?" And then like eventually like things actually got rolling, and like I think day two on set or something, he was just like, "Matt." Like, I'm really proud of you. I I did not ever think this movie was going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, but he just, he had worked with Frankie on a short film before. And when we were looking to cast that role, he suggested him. And then like a phone call later for like two hours of just hilarity. I was like, all right, this guy's got to be in the movie. And he plays like a creepy old, like
0: kind of a... A classic horror kind of character, like a guy who's terrifying, but then you know he gets killed. You're like, oh, I thought he was kind of going to be the bad guy. Like we know the Christies are obviously around outside, but like you think that he's going to be the bad guy that he dies quickly. Like, oh, I don't know what to, I don't I don't know what to think now.
2: Yeah, that I don't know. It was kind of a fun role. I'm trying to, it's hard to even remember like (laughs) certain reasons for why I wrote certain roles, (laughs) certain ways. But I think he was always like intended by me to be someone that we just get in and like he's like sort of a mysterious presence and then he shows up just for a little bit, then gets killed. And then it's like, oh, these people are teaming up together now. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like he came in and like dropped a bunch of like cryptic shit and exposition and stuff, and then you know he gets blown away. I was like, all right, well, I I I was like, I have no idea where this movie's gonna go.
2: Yeah, I think I think he only he only has like nine minutes of screen time, I think, but it's like those nine minutes are all him pretty much. And he kind
0: of helps the movie sort of transition from like being a slasher film to like a slasher and a cult movie altogether. Like it's it's this weird kind of cool blend of two different, like very distinctly different types of horror that work together in ways that maybe feel like they shouldn't almost because it's like two very different things and like you're like okay cool we got we figured out the slasher thing but now we've got this cult thing going on inside and like you don't know you just kind of feel bad for the characters who you know have just, just trying to you know smoke weed and drink beer in the woods
1: <laughs> yeah i i was almost thinking it was like um both of your films almost have like this dust till dawn factor to them where it's like they start as one movie and sort of become, like, another one. Like, I felt like Rewind started as, like, this ghost hunter kind of, like, it's going to be a horror thing, and it turns into, like, a sci-fi movie. Um, And then this one, it starts off as sort of, like, you know, like a Friday the 13th Lake Stalker, and then it turns into more of, like, a Night of the Living Dead slash, like, cult horror, like, just all hell breaks loose, basically, by the end of it. But how conscious of that, like, were you when you were writing these? Did that factor in, or was that just, like, natural when you you came to it
2: I guess it's a little bit of both I I think there's something when I'm because I have other scripts that it's like I don't want to just say that everything I've ever written like starts as one thing and then turns into something else but or at least maybe not to that level but I guess I just don't have too much interest in my own stuff of like sticking to one genre I'm just like you know what like let's just fucking throw a bunch of shit in here and like I don't know. I I just personally find it interesting to like, just it's like, all right, 30 pages in, let's change something up completely. Or like, and I guess actually one of the things too is, i don't i know some people do this but i have never like had really like uh, an outline or anything for a film before i write it and i don't like having really like a full story thought out uh because like a lot of the times even w- with like certain character deaths and stuff like that i'll go in expecting this person to live all the way to the end and then like it gets to a certain point i'm like oh shit like what if they just die right here and then i just find that more interesting so i'm like cool well originally this guy <laughs> was gonna make it to the end but they're dead now
1: it's funny you say that, because like I felt that kind of happen. Like like it adds to why I don't. I feel like I never know where these stories are gonna go. And I'm and I mentioned to Joey like in tonight she comes. It's almost like the main character becomes someone else. It switches like almost halfway through the movie.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. You
1: know, and like that, that's extremely hard to do. I feel that other movies have tried and failed, you know, drastically. And in this, I didn't even realize it was happening until the end of the movie. And I realized like who was actually facing off against the demon. I was like, wow. Yeah. It didn't even occur to me, but that was cool.
2: Yeah. A lot. Even actually when I was writing it, like I didn't, I don't think I've ever really considered Felicity to be the main character, which she kind of is because I mean, she really doesn't show up in the movie at all until almost exactly like halfway through it, like you see her hands and that's about it. But then, especially like when people had seen it at festivals and stuff like that, and she definitely got the most praise of like, this girl's fucking awesome. And I agree, she was great. But it was just, yeah, it was just like another sort of like happy accident, I guess, And that I definitely went into Tonight She Comes... Like, what I did know about it was that I wanted a bunch of, like, idiot, you know, college kids to eventually have to team up with Satanic hillbillies to defeat, uh, like, a, an evil sort of presence. But then, yeah, the fact that really the two leads of the movie up until that point die, and then it's just her at the end, that, that was just sort of, like, uh, as I was writing it, it just happened.
0: I'm glad you answered that, because that was one of my questions. Like, how, like, because you, you get to this end where, like, there, there's, you know, people are putting blood, you know, sigils on their chests, on their stomach, and like drinking blood and like doing all this crazy shit. And I'm like wondering like where like what was the idea where this all stemmed from? And if you want to have like this wacky team up of like that's never been seen before in a movie, I think that's a good place to start. It's like how do you get to that point where these dumb college kids have to trust, you know, redneck hillbillies that we're about to maybe sacrifice them? Who knows what their ritual entails, but like they've got no other option when you got christy you know beating down the door
2: yeah yeah exactly really i was kind of thinking about it in a way too where like even though i feel like a fair amount of people have been confused by the movie (laughs) which was not really intentional other than i somewhat hate exposition so like (laughs) you know other than like frankie uh showing up and you know delivering his like nine minutes of like telling us what's really happening i don't like to explain much if at all if possible but while still like subtly keeping explanations for things in there
0: I have a question for you. I would like you to clarify one thing and I'm going to okay. put myself here on blast because I have what Mike has <laughs> called hair blindness that if a character in a movie changes their hair, I, I can't keep up. Like I watched oh, Lost Highway. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers for Lost Highway, but halfway through the movie, the two main characters become other characters. And I'm just the actors become other characters. I'm just like, I don't I don't get what's going on. Like I don't know, like these are just new people and then like yeah. that the whole point of that movie is like you have to sort of realize that they're playing other parts. Completely over my head. Anyway who gets birthed at the end? Is that Felicity coming out, or is that Ashley, or is that Christy giving birth to herself? Like, I can't tell who is caked in that blood.
2: Yeah, it's uh, that's a question that a lot of people have. It's Ashley. Okay, I like that. And so there is, it's very subtle, but there is, like, explanation for this in the movie, too, of... But it's just really subtle of just like, oh, you're a special girl, blah, blah, you know, saying s- shit like that. And then, like, the blood sigil that's, like, drawn on her is also the same one that's that Felicity, like, carves into herself.
0: Uh, oh, yes. okay. So Felicity sort of sacrifices herself to, like, rebirth Ashley?
2: Basically, yeah.
0: All right. I'm into that. Because Ashley, we were saying before, is, like, such a cool, like, I think that actress is great. I think the character is cool. You know, after you have your first movie or just, like, two, I don't know if it's meant to be, but, like, two kind of unlikable actors asshole dudes, yourself included, (laughs) um, to have, you know, a female character who's like so competent and self-assured and like also gross and like just like this weird kind of blend of all these different things. I think she's just such a cool like I was saying to Mike that she's my favorite character in this movie and I kind of like that she kind of gets the upper hand at the end, whether she's birthed as a new demon or just she has, you know, risen triumphant or whatever. I like that she kind of has the upper hand here in the end. So I I like that character.
2: And so that actress is Larissa White and she's fucking awesome. Yeah, like really a lot of what's great about her is just from her as a actor too like before i cast the movie i had seen her in a short film that was a real piece of shit but she was <laughs> she was awesome in it and it was this weird thing where it was like some student project that someone was supposed to edit for their class but they didn't want to and they hired me to edit it so i was like okay this is this is weird but she was in this and she was just really good so i was like man this is like someone to keep an eye out for in the future
0: so actually before i get to this question I've met Adam. Adam's been a fantastic fest. He seems like a nice enough guy. Why do you keep making <laughs> him seem like such a monster in these movies? So the first movie, he's just like this, you know, pompous, vain, just wants to get chicks. In the second one, the first thing we see him do is jerking off in the backseat of a truck with his friend in the front seat, and then, like, wiping it on mail that he's it's being delivered, and then he's jerking off in the woods. Like, So I two questions, two-part questions, I guess. Number one, what do you have against him? And number two, why does he hate himself so much that he keeps accepting these parts and making himself look like such a terrible person
2: i mean he plays a really good asshole <laughs> but uh, i don't know there's some like we definitely went in because so, we both co-wrote rewind and like both were really involved with like the story of and everything and i think both of us just really like complete douchebag like asshole characters that Mm -hmm. you if you like because really for rewind everyone that likes rewind is like these guys are funny everyone that hates it is like fuck these assholes like they're so stupid blah blah," you know etc and we sort of knew that going in but to to us i guess just those just douchebag characters are just really entertaining and so like really in rewind we're kind of playing like Heightened, ultra douchey versions of ourselves. <laughs> I mean, you know, not really, but it's like a lot of just like, all right, like, what would douchebag version of me do in this circumstance was sort of like how that worked out. And then tonight she comes, he actually. Uh, weirdly enough, was the last person cast because he was like living in Austin for a while, and like I hadn't really hung out with him or like talked to him for a while. And then I think he, he like hit me up one day and was like, "Hey, like I hear you're making a movie. Like, do you have any roles available?" And I was like, "I have." I was like, "I have one. Like, do you want to read the script?" So I just sent it to him. and He was just like, "Fuck yeah, I- let me play Pete." Uh, <laughs> uh, and I was like, "All right, let's do it." That's awesome. Can you talk a
1: little bit about like the comedy aspect of your films because like they are incredibly dark at moments and fucked up to like the best degrees but they also like are offset with like this comedy too and like i i think you guys are funny in rewind you know i mean that's why i stick around you guys running around the empty silo so much it's because you know the references and things i kind of you guys kind of grow on me a little but like uh, you know i was telling joey when we were talking about these movies i feel like you know tonight she comes like you can take the horror out of that and just make like um like a raunchy comedy or something like that. I think you have those chops in you as well so how aware are you of sort of like the comedy like going into this is it in the script is that something you discover along the way too
2: yeah well oh yeah thanks for saying that so like when I first like forever ago started off making short films and stuff like that they really were more comedies uh like just straight up comedy type stuff or and then it like evolved into like comedies with gore or like you know it wasn't really ever horror it was just like all right this will be funny and let's just like blow people apart and uh (laughs) so you know and then that sort of evolved to me like really loving horror but never it's like really hard for me to write a script that's like devoid of comedy i have written a couple that i do like that are like pretty serious but in the for the most part like the type of stuff that i just really enjoy is like Sort of going with that whole, I guess, like genre mashup sort of thing. I don't know. I guess I like to just sort of like go back and forth to like, okay, there are some like legitimately just fucked up moments or whatever in, say, Tonight She Comes, but then it's just like all of a sudden something funny will happen out of nowhere. So it's definitely something that I'm aware of. And it's great working with funny actors too, in that like there's a couple lines in there that I love that are just like improv lines that I was just dying on set. And then I was like, all right, this is definitely going in the movie. (laughs) Cause there's, there's like moments in both films
1: where the characters are just stuck in these completely, you know, incomprehensible situations, but they're kind of like, there's nothing they could really do except roll with it. And, you know, then they start almost cracking jokes or it becomes like, like a skit at one point, but then like we'll ramp back into like disturbing.
2: I think a lot of that's just based on real life for me too, to where people definitely have gotten annoyed with me about this but like if i'm you know not necessarily in such a life or death thing as like satanic demons coming for you but even if i'm just at like an event or you like i've been at things where like i'm just like fuck this really sucks like this is terrible so i'll just start just being an asshole or you know or i'll just be shitting on it or i'll just like be trying to Be funny or whatever, and people will be like, "All right, like, why are you being so negative?" Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "I'm just entertaining myself. Like, I'm not really even being (laughs) negative. You know, I'm just like trying to have fun. This is so boring. So I feel like in real life, I guess I'm lucky enough to never have been in. Well, actually, no. uh (laughs) There, I was last year in a situation where I was in a typhoon, like a level five typhoon. And to be fair, it wasn't. I never thought I was going to die or anything like that. But my friends and I were like. As other people that we know on this island that we're on are posting, like, everyone stay safe, like, you know, take care, et cetera, et cetera. We're, like, running around outside posting Instagrams of us running through water and, like, let's see if we can not get knocked over by the wind. So, (laughs) like, that's kind of just, like, my personality, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's just really – it works really well in – horror films and I, I felt organic and it just sort of helped me sort of absorb the more disturbing parts of the movie and everything but I mean overall like it's interesting how you say so you write without sort of like a full-fledged plan because it seems like you're really just like listening to the story and letting it like take you along because none of it ever feels that forced and it always just like they just keep sort of turning left instead of right and uh, and that's to me why I, I think they're so entertaining so.
2: No, thanks. Yeah, I definitely appreciate hearing that because it it, like it feels a little pretentious to say, but there are definitely times where like, uh, you know, with friends or whatever while I'm writing something. I'll just be like, whoa, like the main character just did something crazy. and But like I wrote that, but it doesn't, it, but sort of exactly like what you're saying, like it doesn't even feel like I wrote it. It just felt like, you know, I was in that character's head and what they wanted to do was something that I wasn't expecting myself. And so that, that really is like how I enjoy to write for sure. It just makes it a lot more fun for me too, because instead of like having a full story guideline that's already all set up, I'm just like, all right, let's just have some fun through these characters.
0: It's like you're just writing down what you see or hear or imagine. Or it's, Instead of writing, it's just like, note, not note-taking, but just capturing the story through their eyes. That's that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I guess as, as sort of a, as a follow-up to Adam for a second, I, I'm sure you know about... Is, is revisions about the making of this movie?
2: So it's not, but it does have, you know, they talk about Tonight He Comes in it, which is just a, a fictional movie. But it's a little... I don't know. It's a little weird because the writing of it really wasn't like that at all because like Adam had nothing to do with the writing of Tonight She Comes. It was uh, me and revisions. I really have nothing to do with revisions except for the fact that I filmed like some second unit stuff on it. But I don't know. It's just like a weird little like promotional tie-in, I guess.
0: Because Mike, I don't know. We didn't talk about this before, but three of the actor so adam who is in both movies and then i think philip and felicity the characters from tonight she comes all made a movie that's called a uh, month after the making of a hit independent horror movie decide to write their next great story together in a cabin and it just feels like a kind of a tonight she comes part two that you don't seem to be too involved in which is just like a weird like kind of like a you know i don't know i just I, I'm, I'm glad that you've shown some light on that though i, was, I, I never heard of it until i was poking around on letterbox today i was like oh huh, this sounds familiar.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, and it is weird because, yeah, it's like half the cast from Tonight She Comes is in it. And actually the movie... So, yeah, they do... If you haven't seen it, the movie that they talk about having been the hit successful indie film is called Tonight He Comes. So there's that. But the film, it's like weirdly meta because I was involved in the whole writing process of that movie, not as a part of it, but just hearing about it. So, like... They are working on another movie in the side of the movie that was a real script that they really were working on, but like it just I don't remember exactly what happened to it. it, just like got stuck or something. You know, they got to a certain point and then like they weren't liking the second half, and then they were just like, let's make a movie about this. <laughs> so it's like, it's like very weirdly meta. And even a lot of like the main DP for that movie is a good friend of mine now who I actually met on Tonight She Comes. And so, like, it's like, has all these weird elements of like being from a lot of different things that kind of go together, but not really. Cool. Do you have any
0: interest in going back to found
2: footage? or Do you feel like because you did rewind that year or like is
0: a story by story basis, but it feels like, you know, you, you sort of did the, the found footage thing and I think it worked and it did it you did it in a creative, unique way. And then you sort of just went to the more traditional storytelling for your second feature. Like, do you see yourself ever going back to found footage or is that, you know, or do you feel like I did that? I want to try something new. I guess really how antsy are you in trying new things versus, you know, going back to something that you've done before?
2: I definitely like to do new things for sure i think if i i mean i do it's hard to it's weird because some of my favorite movies are found footage movies like uh wreck i feel is mm-hmm. like one of my favorite movies of all time i love it but there's also so many just terrible found footage movies that i feel like it's hard to do found footage without having that negative stigma attached to it especially these days so i certainly would i wouldn't say that i, I would never do a found footage movie again but i actually even had a sequel idea for rewind that is not found footage fast forward that was one of the possible titles and there's another one too that's it's weirdly an old title that i had for a movie that i almost called rewind this title and then didn't and then this one would be that but be kind rewind (laughs) (laughs) yeah they fucking stole it but yeah if this actually weirdly enough the this idea got birthed at fantastic fest a couple years ago i think when i It actually might have been right after I saw The Endless because then I was talking to Adam and I was like, oh, shit, like, what if we did a movie where it was the two of us still, but not as those same characters? And it, you know, sort of we're kind of like playing ourselves, but not really. And then we get sucked back into this thing. But if we ever did that, which who knows, but if we did it, it wouldn't be found footage
0: we were actually kind of joking about that before mike we were just saying you know because if, if, when you when mike compared you to benson and moorhead like you know we were saying if you follow their career trajectory you would the next thing you would do is sort of like a big budget remake of rewind sort of put you back in that world essentially and like that kind of sounds like what what's happening so mike we were right <laughs> uh,
2: It. i mean it's certainly a possibility i like the idea that we had for it but I, it's it never has hasn't gotten as far as to like actually writing a script out for it
1: It's also like the Cloverfield effect too, where that's what I was thinking more or less, where it's like the first one's this found footage movie and the second one is shot more traditionally. But um, I definitely felt Rewind warranted being a found footage film, uh, unlike some other found footage movies, because it's like part of, the story—it's in the script. They're shooting a TV show.
2: Yeah, we—that's why too. We really—I mean—at the time when we shot Rewind, I was debating like what cameras, what cameras to shoot it on. I owned a Red at the time, but I was like, this would be stupid to shoot a found footage movie on a Red. I was like, we got to just shoot it on shitty little like you know consumer cameras to like make it feel authentic. And so like I also just didn't want to carry Red around in the woods for <laughs> twelve hours a day. But that was. I think a lot of the reason why that worked for me, at least, is like we it really was like ultra, ultra low budget. And like if two jackasses go out into the woods trying to film like a ghost, you know, YouTube video and then discover time travel, this is maybe what they would come up with.
0: Because I think the the problem, not the problem with found footage, but I think the problem that people see with found footage is that like we've seen so much of it and so much of like you're saying isn't great that I think you need a reason for them to be making it or you need a reason why they're the filmmakers. And I think that this movie does that. But I also think when you're telling people about it, I feel like that's all too common which I understand why you don't want to go back there. It's like it's found footage but it's good. You know what I mean? Like it's, you have to put that disclaimer like, I know that you've seen a lot of like shit that just like after Blair Witch and after Paranormal activity and whatever people are like, oh, we can make cheap stuff and people just eat it up. It's like, well no, like there's a lot of bad stuff out there. But so I feel like that whole like it's found footage but it's good is a very, you know, prevalent sort of dis- disclaimer i think in this kind of movie but you know rewind is found footage but it's good yeah
2: It's also sort of a hard disclaimer to make without sounding like a douche, too, because you're just like, hey, check out my movie. It's found footage, but it doesn't suck. Yeah.
0: Well, I was saying to Mike, and I think I even might have said this to you when I watched Rewind for the first time, you know, two years ago or whatever. that like when the movie starts, I like wasn't super into it because I was like, these guys are annoying. Like, I don't like them. I kind of they're just like they're like I I know both of you in real life. and I like both of you in real life. And I, you know, I want to like your movie. But then the twist happens You're like, oh, like this is actually a smart movie. Like it's sort of and I, I guess this goes back to what we were saying before about it becoming something else halfway through or 30 pages in or whatever, but, like, it goes from a movie of just, like, oh, these dumb, dum-dums like out in the woods are, like, trying to, like, you know, impress chicks with their ghost YouTube series and then it becomes, like, this thing that you don't expect at all. And I, I love that sort of transition that, like, I could genuinely tell you that I enjoyed the movie as opposed to having to lie to you and be like, yeah, it was great, man, like, whatever.
2: Yeah, I don't know, maybe someday I'll make a movie where, like, from frame one, there's likable characters, but I don't know if that will ever happen.
1: I was um wondering, like, in, in that movie, in Rewind, you guys m- murder yourselves, like, multiple times. Um, Are you okay? Are you trying to say <laughs> anything with that as a statement? Or... <laughs>
2: I mean to be fair if that circumstance happened in real life there's a pretty good chance that we really would do that. So maybe I don't know maybe not maybe neither of us is okay.
1: No well I mean I do I do sort of like how it becomes almost like a um, like a manhunt kind of thing like a most dangerous game almost but like you're hunting yourself. I, there's just like a lot I don't know I, if it was intended or not. I I picked up on some e- existential dread going on in the climax of that one that just made it like way more uncomfortable the second time around and I just got freaked out by just the concept of uh meeting yourself. Like I, that's always bothered me for some reason and to see it to the extreme in this movie was crazy.
2: Yeah, and what What I actually really liked about Rewind was the fact that the leads of the movie are not the original characters. So it's like when Adam's character shows back up and like kills him and we're like, holy shit, like that was like original or maybe he even wasn't the original, but basically our characters that we've been following around for the whole movie are like, you know, they've already been fucked with by the original people that have already gone back in time. So th- there's also just something fun to me about having the leads of the movie be like not really the actual main character, you know, like not the original versions of these characters. That's cool. But I like that, you know, both movies and that we got a little bit of
0: clarity of, at the end here with the fact that it's actually being reborn, but I like that both movies sort of end with this ambiguous note like we don't know really maybe we kind of do, like, which set is alive in that mid credit scene, your sort of, your MCU, your Marvel-esque mid credit scene. But, like, we don't know who that is. We don't know if there's more people out there. Like, both of these movies, not that you would ever do sequels, that you need to do sequels for either, that you would want to even, but, like, they both sort of open up to this possibility of, like, a world that, like, shit still isn't right. Like, we're still, there's some kind of imbalance in the force in both of these movies.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, what's funny, too, is the scene that, is sort of like the Marvel end credit scene in Rewind, was originally just actually in the movie. And then I reconfigured things a little bit and uh moved it around to the end.
0: Because one thing that I really do genuinely appreciate, and just especially in this era of, you know, three hour Avengers movies, which I do like, I'm not putting them on blast, but that both of your movies are very short and tight and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of like fat on either of them. But when Rewind ends essentially after like seventy one minutes, I was like, Huh, but there's nine minutes of credits for this movie, and then there's like a no you know, another minute and a half or two minutes in the middle of that credit scene, like I was sort of glad that I stuck through because, you know, I was like, There there can't be nine minutes of credits for, for just two guys in the woods and like I guess, you know know otter the dog getting you know third billing of course
2: see i agree but there's something just really hilarious to me about making the most ridiculously long credits for having no people in the movie so like basically they were just like the movie's got to be 80 minutes so i was like okay and the distributor that i had for it they actually were like hey can you like add some more stuff back into it and i was like no because the movie will be shittier if i have more scenes in so i'd rather just make ridiculous credits i was like i like this one scene so i'll throw this into the credits and then i'll just have the most obnoxiously long it gives me an excuse to write a fun song and then uh, it's just the most ridiculous credits ever which i hope people get i haven't luckily had too many people that are like what the fuck like why do these pretentious douchebags have these this long of credits but i mean luckily most people realize that it's just kind of a joke
0: no i feel like that's the same kind of thing that we were saying earlier right like if you hate the movie like if you hate the characters like you're not going to give the credits the benefit of the doubt but if you give the movie the benefit of the doubt and you're like well what are these guys actually trying to do you'd be like wait a minute why are there nine minutes of credits for what just very clear like unless you have somehow 10,000 Kickstarter backers all around like off camera or something like there's no there's no reason the credit should be longer than 30 seconds unless you're mandated to hit that 80 minute mark
2: yeah pretty much so yeah it was just a choice of like do I actually make the movie worse by adding scenes that I previously cut out because I thought they sucked or do I just make really long credits so I went with that option
0: yeah
1: I mean, I love that. I think that goes with like sort of the spirit of the film too, because like as crazy as it is like i there's always just like um like a fun vibe to it too, like even when they end up running around like killing each other and stuff, it's still like not serious, you know, not as serious as Tonight She comes gets at points anyway you know but like i I just like that you stuck in like a final prank with the credits like that too (laughs) like knowing that makes it so much better because yeah i noticed they sort of restarted or something at one point and i started kind of going is this supposed to happen so knowing the story behind that is great
2: well i also felt like it just fit with the vibe of like youtube ghost hunters of like they probably would do something as stupid as having nine minute long credits (laughs) so i was like you know what? this works
0: Now, I have a really, 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 probably the most important question that I could possibly ask you. That computer that you find in the basement of Rewind, was that your editing bay? Is that where you
2: chop this movie up so that was a random computer that i think i borrowed from my day job at the time like they just had this extra computer around. i was like all right i'm just gonna take this (laughs) we're gonna use it like i just needed a laptop so like i just grabbed it and then it's basically just a random old crappy laptop that we then taped lights onto so that the screen would like be really crazy see that I mean,
1: that screen was really cool and crazy when you looked at it. So I started wondering more about like the special effects and just the visual effects. Like you know, especially in tonight she comes, like there's way more. It seems like way more practical effects and gore and stuff. Can can you sort of touch upon like you know the differences that uh, you like ran into with the movies and uh, your visual effects and stuff?
2: Oh, yeah. So Rewind is 100% digital effects. Like, there's no practical blood in it, which is, it was just, we would have loved to have, have had practical blood, but just with how fast we shot it and how limited the crew was, it just was impossible to do. So that, like, especially the scenes where, like, there's multiple versions of people in the same shot like that was such a nightmare to edit but i, I like how it turned out but like i wanted to kill myself at the time like it, it was it was so annoying because we shot all of that stuff we basically just locked a camera down we were like okay we have this many hours to shoot this before the sun totally changes shot it like there's no like green screen nothing like that it was all just like rotoscoped so like it's just like hours upon hours of rotoscoping and then like certain things like wouldn't quite line up so then it was like tweaking it to like make it look like he's actually stabbing himself and like (laughs) that was making me want to kill myself even more of just like damn it like why could your hand have not been like one inch further to the left but yeah so i wanted to sort of go as much to the opposite side as possible for tonight she comes and have i really wanted to go no digital effects at all it unfortunately it was just also was not possible so there are a few but definitely i wanted to go mostly practical for that just especially with it being like sort of a slasher it just was i I mean i think the movie would have sucked if it was if that movie was digital effects
1: do you know how much blood you actually
0: used in that movie in tonight and what was the blood i'm sure this is a, a, a common trade secret but what was that blood made out of too
2: it was like a whole mix of things so like the makeup effects team i think at times they used sort of store-bought stuff at times they just made their own mix of things and there was like different consistencies based on what type of scene we were shooting
1: and what type of blood right because yeah. <laughs> there's several
2: exactly yeah the period blood that was like a whole special mixture of edible blood with a whole bunch of other things thrown into it and the hilarious thing about that was that it was all it was edible to me it tasted fine but the actors all really were disgusted by it like so when they're like grossed out and they're like gargling this blood they they really are like <laughs> about about to throw up <laughs>
0: when we talked earlier before you came on, uh, I was saying one of the most disgusting things in the entire movie to me, and Mike said it was one of the funniest things, like what sort of sealed the deal for him was when uh, Felicity drinks the blood, but then starts chewing the blood. And I was just like, that's so gross. Like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to know what's in there that she's chewing, but it's just like, ugh.
2: Well, if you watch the, uh, when they drop the tampon in, they never take it out. Oh. So that, you know, it's just getting kind of broken up in there. Gross. And we did add, we basically did add, I was like, all right, we got to make it look like there's a, uh, you know, broken down tampon in his blood so that that's basically what she's chewing on disgusting
1: man they are troopers because like even though you know it's all like fakery it's you know it gets stuck in your head what you're actually doing you know in the scene i mean yeah it's not hard to uh to gag imagining that
2: well the funny thing though somewhat i don't know maybe it's not funny but to me it's funny when writing that scene i actually did some research with friends about how realistically ridiculous a tampon could get filled with, with um, blood. And I was I was just like, okay, like on the heaviest day, like with my girlfriend at the time, I was like, how realistic is this? And then we pushed it past that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was like, could it really be this ridiculously full of blood and she was just like well i mean it would be pretty rare but i guess so i was like all right that's enough for me let's do it because that was another question i sort of had was
0: that you know after you have a whole movie where it's just you and adam and just you know basically like you were saying you know just heightened versions of yourself like there's so much of the second movie that comes from like the female lens like even from the very beginning when ashley and Lindsay are in the car there and they're just you know she's already making jokes like that's already like where ashley's like you know she's kind of the the smartest most well-rounded character but she's still already in that very first scene waving her menstrual blood at her friend who's driving a car so like she's still kind of an asshole there too but like how much of the female characters and sort of the female specific stuff like you were just talking about did you kind of get consultation on you know what i mean like because there's or is this something that you just find yourself able to write you know female characters that are sort of similar like kind of assholey bro guys but they're just you know from the lens of a, of a female character.
2: I, yeah, it wasn't like specific consultation so much, but it, I guess just most of the friends that I have that are girls, like, I don't know, I get really annoyed in movies of seeing, like, I hate it when it's just like, the character of the girlfriend, and then it's like this character sucks, or even vice versa. It's just like the boyfriend. And it's like what is their character? They're the boyfriend. So, so I just like I never want to have a character like that. So I guess what I do is I just make everyone just like, like an asshole. But you know, just having them do interesting things or like just I don't know. I like every character whether they're going to be a douchebag, asshole, or not, I like them to just have like a sense of weirdness to them or like even if they're kind of like a minor character, like I don't want them to just be bland so really like i guess it's just about trying to have strong characters for every possible role that's not you know just like a background extra or something uh so someone just come up to slap me in the face if i ever have a character in a movie that's just like a (laughs) girlfriend
1: that's interesting because that that i feel like that comes through i mean especially in tonight she comes i feel like a couple of these characters could like show up in other movies or something like they feel you know like complete people like they're not one as one note as i guess i was expecting from you know a horror movie that takes place at a lake right like it just i expected it to be more stereotypical you know and it's not and that is refreshing to know that you know there's just these little moments of depth and if it's whether oh like uh they catch you off guard because they're Lewd, or this guy's more of a coward than you would have imagined, or something like it. It does. Catch you off guard in those ways, and it makes them feel more realistic.
2: Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's definitely something that I like really wanted to make sure happened. And I certainly cannot take all the credit for it myself. A couple days before we started shooting, I got like a call from Brock, who plays Philip, and uh, Jenna plays Felicity. And like they were just like working amongst themselves with the brother and sister characters of like, okay, like what do you think about this for like the way that I walk? And like, here's how we're going to like match our accents. So it's like it sounds like we're together. So I think even in the screenplay like none of the characters read as like one note but all of the actors that I got definitely heightened the roles and sort of like took them to a level where they're definitely a lot more interesting and like just have like these weird quirks then even with like the makeup team and stuff too it's just like having the hillbillies have like fucked up teeth the whole time like that's just something that always annoys me it's just like oh we're in like a western or we're in like you know these people that are just being eating like weird stuff out of the ground but somehow they have perfectly white teeth so I don't know just all those little Details. It's great, I feel, to start with something that's at least okay and then have like really awesome people working with you that can like take it to another level.
0: Are you working on anything? Are you writing anything? Are you trying to get anything made that you could sort of share with us? Any sort of teasers? I know that, you know, making indie films is a difficult, sort of, you need to find the financing and all that sort of stuff, but anything that you're working on that you're excited about that you hope maybe could be made in the next uh, couple of years.
2: so I have a few scripts written. There's one in particular that I'm super excited about right now that I'm like actively trying to get made, hoping to make that happen this year as far as shooting it. It's sort of totally different from either Tonight She Comes and Rewind, but it's like I guess so for me, despite the comedy, I wouldn't really classify like Tonight She Comes as a horror comedy and like Rewind I also wouldn't even though I think it has a lot of funny moments in it. This one is 100% a horror comedy. Uh, it gets really weird too, though. And <laughs> it's definitely like one of my favorite things I've ever written. So Tonight She Comes, I actually wrote really fast. I had the idea for a while, but then like I sat down and basically wrote it in a week, the first draft. And a while back this year, I sort of had an idea for this movie that i'm talking about now that i can't say much about but it like popped into my head and i was like oh this could be a cool idea for a movie and then i just sat and like thought about it for a little bit and then i basically i figured out roughly what the ending was going to be and i was like holy shit yes i like i have to write this movie <laughs> and like that took it from like oh this could be okay but like I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen to like me thinking of like an idea that i really loved and i was like gotta write this and then like cut to a week later i have a draft of it and i'm like holy shit oh, wow and i got got so into all the characters on this that it was like it was weird to think that two weeks ago i had never thought of any of these ideas because even now it's like so in my head of like all these characters for this movie and this is it's not like a huge movie by any means but it is quite a bit of a bigger cast and there's a lot of characters and they're wacky fucking maniacs but <laughs> it's just like weird to think back to a time even recently when like I'd never thought of these characters before it's like breaks my mind a little bit it's something that I'm def- I'm super excited about and I feel like it'll be a really fun movie to watch at with like a film festival crowd
0: that's really cool you're like once again just sort of channeling the, the characters are compelling you to tell a story that you don't even know that you have inside you
2: yeah and this, this one more so than any of the recent ones is very heavily based on people that I know as well most of which hopefully will be working on the film not playing these characters but in it's like behind the scenes people that i know that i'm like you're super interesting and you have a good personality i'm going to turn you into this character and like when i've even told them about it they like laugh their asses off and and (laughs) some of them some of them have read it and like they're really into it so i'm stoked about that
0: well, Matt, thank you so much for stopping by and for talking to us. For all things Cinemakers, uh, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com cageclub, and at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Actually, before we go further, Matt, if people want to find you, if you want to be found online, if you want to share your social media presence, any kind of cool things, like we were saying earlier, both these movies are available for free on Amazon Prime if you want to watch those, but is there anywhere that you want people to find you online?
2: I would say social media that I'm on the most is probably Instagram, and uh, it's just my name, Matt Stewart's, which is is two Ts, uh, which is sort of the weird spelling. But if you type a few of those letters in, you'll see <laughs> my face with a pink mohawk. So it's pretty easy once you see the profile yeah. picture. But yeah, it's that on Twitter, Facebook as well. And then, yeah, the movies, Amazon Prime, and Sanchi She Comes is on Hulu. Or if you want to pay for it, you can... Pay for it as well. That's also cool.
0: Yeah, kicked me out a few bucks. That's that's a nice thing. I bought it on because when it first came out, I think you had to buy it on iTunes. So I bought it on iTunes. So I have it there, but I watched it for free through Prime. But you have you have maybe a dollar of mine or something somewhere. Yes. So you're welcome. I also do want to point out that you, you kind of made a joke about it. I think when even before I saw it, that like if you look on Letterboxd, there's like almost an equal number of votes for half star, one star, one and a half, two, like all the way from half to four, like an even number of people feel that way about this movie. So like I can't even like i don't know if i could recommend it because like it's your mileage may vary like to any degree
2: yeah i was pretty amused by that for sure like uh honestly much rather have a movie like that than something i mean i guess if everyone just had five stars i'd be okay with that too but i you know I, i would rather have just like evenly split across the board than like everyone's just like eh, it's okay
0: yeah it seems like harder to do that 'Cause you can make a movie that everybody hates, but if you make a movie that like equal number of people hate versus love, like that's something, you know, at least worth talking about, I think. because um, you look at so many movies on Letterboxd that like have like an average of like and I don't know what your average is, but I'm I'm just saying like like two point eight or two point nine where it's like that normal sort of like bell curve that like averages around that two and a half or three, it's just like, well, like I know that this movie's not gonna be anything special. Like it just or probably because it just feels like it's all just sort of people like, yeah, that was fine. But when you have like this weird, like unparalleled graph of everybody feeling <laughs> the same way, or like everybody equally feeling different ways or however you want to say it like there's something there's something weird going on there and it's, it's kind of cool and weird and unique
2: oh and i will say too if you're going to watch this movie even if you're going to steal it please for the love of christ watch the 84 minute version and not the shitty cut down version
0: yeah you owe it to yourself to see just disgusting disgusting make you want to vomit gore
2: i will say too without 100% spoiling it the final scene in the cut version is totally different you see nothing
0: oh wait like the like the birth the birth scene
2: yeah you see no birth it's confusing there's no graphic anything in the the scene
0: that's disappointing like not to sort of reopen things but like it just it's got like did you have any say in that at all or just like this is if you want to be released here this is how it has to be
2: well i sort of did and like we originally i had given them a version of it that was cut down a little bit and they submit it's so weird because like you when you think of germany you don't think of like super heavily censored movies i guess or at least i didn't but like they submitted an already censored version of the movie and they were like nope it's too much for an 18 like it's this is whatever their equivalent of like an x rating is so then they just themselves just went and just like start chopping minutes out of the movie and then i guess they got that 18 cut but like i mean i watched it i i skimmed through it to see like what they had cut out and it, it was shot like moments that to me were not even that bad at all were still cut out the opening like stomach stab is gone like the shotgun blast of the face is gone every gore moment from the movie is just heavily cut down so much that i'm like i guess in a way it's kind of cool because i have the like the reference to friday the 13th part 7 and then they also for the german release like butchered the cut of this movie so i'm like okay i guess at least on that weird meta level is interesting i will say the the one cool thing about it is that it, they did dub it in german which is hilarious
0: but they didn't have a problem with chrissy walking around naked the entire movie
2: yeah it was weird so like that was one thing that i've really noticed too the, versus the like american versus european markets typically european market did not give a shit about the nudity at all like they're just like eh, whatever and like american like with some of the distributors that got sent to and like they liked it but they were like no it's like too graphic to release it wasn't about the blood at all like they couldn't care less about the blood but it was like it was the vagina and the just nudity in general
0: right but i also i guess i guess you also sort of have to know on some level that when you're making a movie where the evil force or whatever is a naked woman the entire time with no clothing on like it's not for everyone like you you know that you're making it for sort of niche distributors and niche audiences but people who find it are going to either love it or hate it in equal measures who knows
2: yeah it did make me think as much as i hate this too it did make me think like on future films if I do and I certainly will have like very graphic moments I was like at least I'll probably get some version of that that's slightly less graphic so if there does have to be an annoyingly cut down version it at least makes sense and it's not like they just don't show anything
0: I guess it's it's hard when like, when you sort of like have the, the control wrestled away from you or whatever but you know go find the 84 minute version watch this watch rec or watch rewind hello watch rec
2: too but I mean watch rewind oh, yeah well Rec's great watch Rex. <laughs> Rex's better than rewind just watch it
0: but watch Watch Matt's movie, watch Rewind. But yeah, go watch these two on Hulu or Amazon Prime, or buy it somewhere and kick Matt a couple bucks. And go to Cageflip.me and poke around. We've got this is episode fifty-six of Cinemakers. There's a bunch of other stuff, and we've got twenty-five different shows on the network. So go check them all out um, and come back next week.
2: Oh, do you know I, I'm gonna just jump in real quick and say this is probably a long ways off if it ever even happens. But I do have a script that's very long. It's like two hundred and forty pages, and there is a role specifically written for Nicholas Cage. Oh, and to the point that I. I Would not even make the movie if Nicolas Cage was not in the movie. Uh, like, it 100% from the first thought of this character, I was like, Nicolas Cage has to play this character. So, if the movie ever gets made, Nick Cage will be in the movie. Otherwise, the movie will never happen. Uh, Nicolas Cage, you obviously listen
0: to all of our podcasts because your name is on all of this. Um, you haven't sent us a seasoned assist yet, which is not because uh, you have not heard of us, but because you don't mind it, obviously, clearly. So, call Matt, call his representation, and just, you know, get in this movie. But thanks again Matt for joining us
2: yeah thanks for having
0: me I'm Joey Lewandowski and I'm Mike Manzi and that was Matt Stewart's talking about Rewind and Tonight She Comes and we'll see you next time right here on Cinemaker.